0: know we sing about giving god everything and it's the thing that you wake up during the night that god wants it's the thing that steals your sleep that god says let me have that it's the fears it's the confusion it's all of that that god says i want that I want it all and you know we all come to church and we all look so pretty and so handsome when we come to church but in reality you're standing in rows and you're standing among people who we all are dealing with challenges we're all dealing with things that are pretty messy and when you look under the surface maybe there's some things that may feel pretty ugly and god is wanting that most of all and years ago I heard a minister say that it's the things that we keep in the dark that the enemy uses to torment us with you know and it's those things that uh, culture or society tells us is so ugly or uh, that we've been spoken to and given shame about and picked up rejection picked up guilt picked up every reason why we're disqualified and why we don't deserve something and God is saying give that to me so if you've already pulled the cover back on everything and shown God you're full ugly then right now I want to ask you to pray for somebody else that's standing really close to you that is afraid to pull that cover back because Uh, I feel like there's people in here that have shared that before and the response that you got and the words that you were told were not encouraging to you. They were not uplifting to you and really you regretted that. Um, And today is your day to reach out for help. Today is your day. Right now is your moment to pull the cover back on that because God is waiting for you to give that to him so right where you're standing right now those of you who have revealed the full ugly I want you to pray really hard right now press 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 for somebody standing around you who has not done that and for those of you who are feeling like I can't there's just no way I could give that to God or it feels really dark it feels really heavy feels really ugly like you can't even talk about that in church (laughs) right now, right now is your moment to say, God, I give that to you and invite him into that. And there is no shame. Any voice that is speaking to you, shame or embarrassment or regret or um, disqualification, that is not God's voice. So when you know what God's voice is not, then you can know what his voice is. So his voice is the one that is saying, I love you. I love you without any qualification. I love you without anything on your part. All I need from you is a yes. That's what God says. All I need from you is your yes. Yes to let me in. Yes to giving me your heart. And so for those people that are praying right now and inviting God into that really scary place, that's God's word to you. Is he saying, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you, baby. (laughs) There's some really heavy shame and you know shame comes when you don't know who you are shame comes when you don't know whose you are and you are God's you are God's and God never shames you your daddy in heaven never shames you <laughs> So if you're receiving that right now, I just want you to continue to receive. And those others of you, be praying, pray really hard, press, press, press for them right now. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, freedom from shame and guilt. Oh, okay, this, I'm just hearing this. This is happening in my life because I did this and I deserve this. This is happening because I made this choice and I did this and I deserve this. For those of you that are feeling that message right now, I break that off in the name of Jesus Christ and I speak to you, whom the Son has made free is free indeed. So I speak freedom from that message that plays over and over in your mind. Whenever something doesn't work out or when something goes wrong or you don't get something, well, this is happening because I did such and such. No, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, he covers you with a beautiful, beautiful forgiveness. And what happens is actually the word the Bible tells us that God casts our past, our sin, as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. And what I think is so cool about that is it's not the north and the south because you could measure that. But when you say the east from the west, you can't measure that. I'm not really good with directions, but I know you can't measure that. Right? Man, that's good. So right now, let's just thank God. And I'm asking you to be super bold and thank him out loud, even if it's just a whisper. But let's just thank him for how good he is and for his word to us, his identity for us, everything that he's done for us. So let's just start telling him, thank you, God. We love you so much. Let's just fill the air in here with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. We thank you that you are so good and that through thanksgiving and through giving you thanks and for acknowledging how much you love us, we enter into a really, really close, special place with you. We enter into your lap and we enter into your love and you wrap your arms around us and you hug on us and you love us and you welcome us home. Thank you, God. (laughs) He's just so good. If you would turn to somebody around you and say, God wants you to know, welcome home. Welcome home. Speak that out loud to someone. Welcome home. (laughs) Welcome home. Uh, Give somebody a high five. Say, welcome home. <laughs> that song always makes me cry. Can I move this to the very front? Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Oh. Oh. Yes, I know, right? It is Is anybody else hot? Yes. It is hot. If we can, we have, I'm like, (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, my name is Lynette. If I've never, if I know that when we say that we're hot, we'll see if we can get the air turned down a little bit for us in here. I'm usually like I'm sweating. I'm usually the one that's cold. Like, no matter what, I'm cold. Yeah, right? Okay, praise the Lord. That is not a hot flash. It's actually hot in here. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My name is Lynette. If I've never had the opportunity to meet you before, or shake your hand. I am part of the team here at N3C. And um, my job is to make you feel at home. I'm the pastor's wife. And my job is to make you feel (laughs) comfortable here. So if you were to come to my house, I would pour you a great big glass of sweet tea, and we would sit down, you would put your feet up, we would be comfortable, and we would just be family. My son is like, what the heck, sweet tea? She doesn't make me sweet tea. I, I um, rationed the sweet tea because we were going through massive amounts of sweet tea, and I'm pretty sure my son is going to have to come up and get prayer at some point to forgive me for not having sweet tea in the fridge at all times. God says you have to love me. Okay. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. So I am, um, I'm just going to jump right in today. Uh, I, we're going somewhere. You guys want to go somewhere with me? You're so trusting. I haven't even told you where we're going. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for being here today. And I want to tell you that for us, for Darren and I, Getting to serve you as your pastors is really, really an honor. And I want you to hear, if no one has spoken this to you today, you are so, so loved. We love you so much and we love this church family. We love who we are as a community and we wouldn't be who we are without you. So you are the ones, we are just two people And even our entire team is very, it's just a few people, seven people, Uh, but our church is what it is because of you. So I want to say to you, thank you for being who you are and for bringing what you uh, carry and who you are into our community. And so if you would, would you just give yourselves a hand this morning? Yeah. Yeah. You are so loved. And we want to welcome our online community. Thank you for joining in and being with us today. You are just as much a part of our family as everyone sitting here in the auditorium. I want to give a special shout out to Mel and Teresa this morning. They just haven't been able to be in the chairs in a while, but we love you very, very much. And you are definitely part of our family right in the heart of it. Yeah. So I have been in proverbs like stuck there god like no matter where else i'm reading i read proverbs and sometimes people ask where is a good place to start reading your bible or i don't know where to read proverbs is really great because there's 31 proverbs and you can read one a day and they're you know generally pretty short pretty easy to To get get done or get something in in the morning if you're kind of in a hurry, but I've been in Proverbs and there's just little things that keep sticking out to me that God keeps speaking to me about. And one of the things going forward is I know that we are in a time where wisdom, godly kingdom wisdom is going to be essential, um, not optional. There will be a distinction between the people who are walking in God's wisdom and those who are not. And I want to be found on the side of those that are walking in God's wisdom. I don't want to be found foolish. I I don't care to do that. So uh, anyway, Proverbs 24 in verse 10 out of the New King James translation says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But of course, I was reading in the Passion Translation, and I love the way it says it. It says, if you faint under pressure, you have need of courage. And that word courage really stood out to me. You have need of courage. And down in the footnote of the Passion Translation, it says this on that verse. It says, your strength is limited. Our weakness becomes an excuse to quit. So it's talking about pressure and courage. And pressure comes, it can come, pressure can build over time. And when it first starts, maybe it's small enough that you don't even really recognize it as pressure, that it's part of, it's part of your job or it's just part of your day. It's uh, normal for your routine. Um, and so pressure just is kind of something that accumulates over time And you don't realize that the pressure is there until one day the pressure becomes so strong that you faint, you quit, you back off. You don't have the strength to press through it anymore because the pressure has been building and building and building and building. And it's just something that you have um, learned to cope with or to live with or to even even to accommodate. We make room for the pressure. Uh, There's also those moments where pressure comes in an instant. How many of us have experienced sudden and instant, bam, right now, pressure? Like you feel it. It comes instantly and something happens, something is said, news is shared with you, you see something happen, you're in the middle of something and suddenly there is, it's like this lead blanket that comes and just just lands on you and you are instantly aware of this heaviness, this darkness and this feeling of being overwhelmed to the point where you're like, I, I don't even, I, I can't even function right now cause I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do in this moment. Um, I am a person that when <sighs> like, I'm trying to think of the last thing that happened. I remember we came home one time from being on the road for a while. And when we walked in, we walked in and the carpet was going <laughs> from water everywhere. And all I could do was, oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And with every step, it's going. And Darren, Darren is running to turn the water off. He's trying to figure out where it's coming from. And all I can do is spin in circles and say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the pressure was real. (laughs) like, I don't even know what to do. My husband is very good under pressure. Me, you better hope that somebody else is there because I'm just going to go in circles and say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I will totally have sympathy and compassion for you. But I'm just going to go in circles in the moment. Okay. So Pressure. I want to go to a uh, book in the Bible that some of you may be very familiar with and others of you, this may be fairly new to you. I absolutely love Joshua. And when we start talking about courage, of course, I was kind of, I was asking God, well, Lord, is there somewhere else that we can go? That's a little less obvious. And God said, why do, why do we need to do that? let's just go for it so we're gonna go to Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua is in the Old Testament and I'm just gonna kind of give you a little backstory so you kind of have an idea of what's happening in history at this moment where we're about to jump in so Joshua is being talked to by God. When you go into Joshua chapter one, God is talking to Joshua. And what has happened is God has spoken to Moses and Moses has led an entire nation of people. That is the nation of Israel. He has led them out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And these people are a people without Without a homeland, there are people that have no, um, nothing to call their own at that point because there have been. Uh, generations born into slavery in Egypt, and so God spoke to Moses. Moses led them out of captivity, led them out of slavery, and that's when they crossed the Red Sea, and they went across on dry ground, and Moses takes them out into the wilderness at God's instruction out into the desert. Now, the journey that they were supposed to take through the desert was just where God was wanting them to go. It would take 11 days to get there, but it actually ended up being 40 years that these people were in the desert. So all of these people are in the desert for 40 years. An entire generation of people passes away and dies in the desert. A new generation comes up and now God speaks to Joshua and Joshua is part of this generation that is going to cross over into what the Bible calls the promised land. God had promised this land to these people, generations before, to a man named Abraham. And these people are descendants of Abraham. So these people are now out in the desert, and now Moses has died. Joshua steps up, and he's the new leader appointed by God. And God begins to speak to Joshua, and he reaffirms the promise to Joshua that he had made to Abraham hundreds of years prior. In Genesis chapter 17, God spoke to Abraham and he said, also, I give to you and your descendants after you all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. Canaan was the promised land. So that's where we get the term, the promised land is it was the land that was promised by God to his people. So we're going to jump in here. God speaks to Joshua and says, okay, I want you to get ready and I want you to get everybody ready that has been in the desert for 40 years because now is the time you're gonna cross over and you're gonna go into the land that I promised to your forefathers. So I want you to think about Joshua in this moment. He is in a place where he is getting ready to lead an entire nation of people through a tremendous transition. All their lives, these people have known nothing but the desert. And just one little side note, this is something that I think about. Like this whole time that they've been in the desert, God has been feeding them what's called manna. It rains down from the sky once a day. They go out, they collect the manna, and it lasts them for one day. And they've known nothing but manna. That's all they've ever eaten. How would you like to eat nothing but the same thing day after day after day after day? And then suddenly, one day, you're crossing over, and you're going to go, you know, you're going to another place, and now you're going to eat something different. I mean, just think about the transition. You guys, like, these are the little things that I sit and that I think about. So this is a huge transition that God is asking Joshua to lead these people from this place that is all they've known, that is what they're familiar with, to go into a completely different place. And it's not without a fight. So God is speaking to Joshua and in Joshua chapter one, starting in verse nine is where I'm going to jump in. God is speaking to Joshua and he says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. He says to Joshua three times in this passage of scripture, be strong and of good courage. And once he even says to him, only be strong and very courageous. So this word strong, when I looked this up in the Hebrew, it means to be encouraged, to be established and to be fortified, to have good courage. So then I looked up. Of good courage, that's actually just one word in the Hebrew. And what that means is to strengthen or be determined. So I was looking at the two words, and the two words are so similar that actually the other word is used in the definition of that word. And so I was like, I'm not really getting the distinction between the two. And suddenly I realized it's because the two go hand in hand. The two go together because, see, actually strength and courage go together because courage puts strength into action. Strength lacks power until it's put into motion by courage. A person can have all of the muscle. They can have all of the, you know, the, the, the ability in them and be very, very strong. Did you, did you get the interpretation of that this morning? Okay. They can have all of that. But if they don't use that strength to pick up their child and love their child, the strength does nothing. It's courage that puts strength into motion. And until strength is put into motion, it does nothing. It stands in the corner and that's all it does. So God says three times to be of strong and good courage. Why? Because he knows where he's about to take Joshua and all of his children. He knows where they're going. He knows what they're going to go through. And that they will have opportunity to be afraid. God knows that. God knows when you're scared. But he speaks to Moses here and he says, Only be strong and of good courage. Because he knows that Joshua and all of the people are going to have the opportunity to be afraid And to quit. Why do you think they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years? And God says, finally, I've got a people who won't back off and who won't bow under pressure. Basically, what he's saying to Joshua is he said, I'm not telling you that it's wrong when you feel afraid. I'm asking you to simply do it afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, do it afraid. John Wayne was quoted as saying, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. I feel like that's appropriate, right? I remember years ago, when I was getting to help with a rodeo Bible camp, the rough stock instructor had me filming the kids when they were uh, getting in the chute on the bulls, and these, oh my goodness, these little guys that were getting in for the first time to sit down on the back of a bull, They were shaking like this, holding on to the fencing and uh, the panels. And I remember him yelling at them. I mean, they're like maxed out at that moment. And he's yelling at them at the top of his lungs. Are you scared? Are you scared? I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen this. Girls are allowed back in that area, you know? So I'm like, whoa, this is intense. And I'm filming these kids and he's yelling at them. Are you scared? Are you scared? And finally, one of the little bull riders, he says to him and his voice is cracking like Peter Brady. He goes, yes. And he says, all right, you're ready to ride. And he slaps the kids super hard. I was like, whoa. He was wanting him to admit, this is the scariest thing I have ever done in my life. But yet he wasn't going to say, I don't want to do this. He was getting him so pumped up that like, well, I didn't, I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared, you know, (laughs) but I'm ready to ride. Go little buddy. So anyway, when Joshua stood on the edge of the desert, He was looking across the river, and he could see the promise of God. He was standing on the edge of the promise. He could see what God had promised. He could see what had been told to him for generations that God had promised his people. He could see what he had heard about, and Joshua, And all of God's children were standing on the edge of taking possession of what they had heard about all their lives. They were standing on the edge of actually walking into and living the promise and not just hearing about it. This is where Joshua was standing. Canaan at the time the promised land, Canaan was a land that was divided into different city-states and each one of those city-states had its own governing rule and all of those city-states were in conflict with one another. They were all fighting against one another. They were all led by different people and by different systems and each one of those systems was in tremendous conflict with one another. So Canaan was a land that was divided within itself. It was a land that although it was one land, it was tremendously in a place of division. It was a land that was divided politically. It was a land that was feuding within itself. It was a land where lawlessness and corruption was rampant. It was a land of tremendous brutality because there was no law. And it was actually a land where they were practicing child sacrifice. I feel strongly... That God has a word for us here at N3C today. I see such a similarity and a likening of where Joshua stood and where we stand. And I know that I know that I know that this is a word for us. I don't know who else. I'm not limiting. But I know that this is a word for you and me. Because at the place where Canaan was at that time, in such division and in such turmoil, that was the moment that God chose to take his people over to possess what had been promised to them centuries before. It was time. Canaan was ripe for the taking, and God found a people who would be strong and courageous. But there was going to be conflict as they went. God has positioned us today. Today we're going to need courage and strength to walk through the pressure. We will have to have courage and strength. We stand as a body, as a family, we stand on the edge of promise. Because I happen to be in the place that I am as the mom of N3C, I get to hear stories. I get to hear the testimonies of miracle healings that are taking place within our family. Medically documented miracles that are taking place. I get to hear about the family. If you were here on worship night a couple months ago, you got to hear about a family that had the audacious faith to pray and ask God to turn what was reported medically as cancer into a baby. And they're expecting. We're hearing the medically confirmed reports of miracles. We're hearing the reports of breakthrough in jobs where people have been waiting and waiting and waiting and finally breakthrough and promotion is taking place. Unexpected, unqualified. They don't have the qualifications for the promotion that they're being given, but they got the promotion. We're hearing the testimonies of what God is doing And you and I are standing on the edge of the promise. We're hearing about it. We're being told about it. We've read about it. And God is appointed this time, this moment, as a divine appointed time for us as a people to cross over and to step into and actually live in the promise and not just hear about it anymore. It's not something that is just happening or that we read about and is historical events in the Bible, but actually taking place in our lives and experiencing what God has for us pressure wants to keep you camped out in the place where you're at right now and not pressing pressure wants to keep your eyes turned down on the situation that's happening at this moment, what you're fighting through right now, rather than looking and seeing where God wants to take you and what's waiting for you. Pressure comes to conform you to the circumstances. Pressure wants to squeeze you so tight until you look like everyone around you. Pressure wants to squeeze you so tight until there's no difference between you and the circumstance. Pressure wants to crush you in the situation in the moment for fear and confusion. Pressure comes to steal your courage. The goal of the pressure is to leave you powerless without strength. So don't raise your hands or anything like that. But for those of you who have just been feeling tired, it's pressure. (laughs) She's like, I ain't afraid. (laughs) I'm not afraid. The Bible tells us that our strength comes from the Lord But if we do nothing with the strength that God gives to us, we are powerless. We have to apply. It's like, it's like the, we're told not to take the Lord's name in vain. And so many times we put that as, you know, well, don't, don't say God's name when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Actually, if you go a little bit deeper, what that means, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't take God's name and do nothing with it. Don't slap a label on yourself and say, well, I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. If you're not doing anything to leverage the kingdom of God in your life, you're taking his name in vain. You've taken the name of God and you're not using it for the purpose in which God gave it to you for. So here's what I heard the Lord say is pressure is coming to turn my disciples to despondency how do I know that's God? Because I'm not really sure what the word despondency means. (laughs) That's literally how I absolutely know when God speaks to me. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) So I had to go. I like, I've heard the word despondency before, but I was like, okay, God. So I had to get my phone out and I had to define despondency on Google. (laughs) (laughs) So looked it up. So. Here's what God was saying, thanks to Google, okay? <laughs> Pressure is coming to turn my disciples to despondency. Now, the word disciple in the Bible means a close follower. When Jesus called the 12 his disciples, it meant that those were the people who were following him closely. They had left everything, and they were not willing to let anything stand. They weren't holding holding Jesus right here. They were like all up in his business. They were so close to him. Because they were disciples, they were close followers. So pressure is coming to turn my close followers, my disciples, to despondency. Despondent means in low spirits from loss of hope or courage. All right. (laughs) Despondency. In low spirits from loss of hope. Or courage other words used for despondency is disheartened discouraged dispirited and downhearted God wants us to know pressure is coming to turn his close followers into despondency to cause you to lose heart to lose hope and to become discouraged that's why pressure comes. Why? Because literally you scare the hell out of the devil. You scare him. So what's he going to do? Apply pressure. To try to get you to quit. Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 in the Passion Translation says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. Why did he say that to us? Because he knew that you would go through pressure. He's saying, I'm not getting upset with you when you feel fear. I'm just telling you, don't let the fear make you quit. Keep going. Do it afraid. When there's pressure, that means that there's something right about to happen. And the greatest pressure is going to come when you are standing right on the edge of the promise. That's when you're going to feel the, if you might be feeling like, I feel like I'm about to pop. It's because you're right on the edge of the promise. It's right there. Joshua did not quit in the face of pressure because he knew his why. Why? Courage thrives on the why. And you have to know your why if you're not going to quit when pressure comes. Joshua knew the why. Joshua's why was the promise that was given to his ancestors hundreds of years before. And his why was that he wasn't willing to let that promise go one more generation without being walked in. At some level... On the very base foundational level, don't you and I all share the same why as Joshua? Don't you and I on some level carry that same why is that we have a promise from God. And because of that promise, we know our why. And because we know our why, courage thrives on the inside of us. You and I have a promise from God. The Bible tells us in John 10, 9 and 10, I am the gateway. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the gateway to enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. Say everything. You wonder, what is Jesus? What is my promise? Everything in abundance. That's what he's saying to us. Then he goes on and says, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Why does he want you to overflow is because he wants you to carry the courage to somebody else because you're going to overflow on someone else who needs to experience what courage looks like while you're walking in the promise, you're overflowing with the promise. So because you're overflowing, you have more than you need. So you're overflowing to give courage to somebody else who's been experiencing pressure, who can't see their way out, but because you're knowing the, why you got the, why you got the courage and you're using the strength. And so now you get to overflow it on other people to inspire other people who felt like they were knocked down, that felt like they were out, who felt like they couldn't get up, that they were about to give up. And now God comes in because of you, because of you, courage, how many of us are standing on the edge of the promise? You've heard about it. You're learning about it. You're just now figuring out, hey, okay, so this isn't really how God intended my life to be crappy all the time. (laughs) God didn't intend for me to be held back in my past all the time. He didn't intend for my past or my lack of education or my lack of this or my lack of that to determine what my future is. But actually, God has a promise for me. And you're standing on the edge, looking across and the pressure is coming. But how many of you are standing on the edge of freedom, standing on the edge of satisfaction, standing on the edge of life in fullness, standing on the edge of breakthrough, standing on the edge of healing, standing on the edge of joy, standing on the edge of provision. I look around this room and I see a room full of people who are standing on the very edge of the river with your feet in the water, ready to cross over, putting courage into action because you know your why and you're filled with strength and courage is putting your strength into motion to not stop, to not quit, to not give up, but to press because as a people, we are standing on the edge. We are right there. We are right there. Um, I'm not going to read the whole passage just for sake of time. But if you go, I encourage you to do this. If you have your Bibles or in your phone, the uh, Version Bible app is amazing. Go to Joshua and read in the very beginning of Joshua... God is speaking to Joshua in verses five through nine. And he starts out in verse five and he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Then at the end of that passage in verse nine is what we started out with. He says, have I commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then he goes in the in the passages right there. I'm going to show you how do you build your courage when you're standing on the edge? Well God gives Joshua a promise sandwich. He gives him the promise here saying, I will not leave you. You are not going to do this alone. And then he finishes off the sandwich with another layer. No matter where you go, I am not going to leave you and you're not going to do any of this alone. And in those passages is where he tells him be strong and of good courage. But here's what he does. He gives him a promise and then he gives him He gives him instruction and then he gives him a promise, gives him instruction, gives him a promise. The instruction that he gives him are keys for us right now to stand in courage and strength. You want to know what those are? Okay, good. Me too. Okay. So what he tells him is he says in verse uh, six, he gives him the promise of an inheritance. You and I have a promise of inheritance, we are grafted in to the family and you and I are children of God. So every promise that is in this book belongs to us. That's why it's important that you read it. Because if you don't know the promises, you you don't know what your inheritance is. If somebody told you that you were inheriting $5 million, would you figure it out? This right here is worth all more than all the money on the face of the earth. All right, so in verse seven, he gives him instruction. He says, do my word, keep my commandments. Do not turn from them to the right or to the left, but observe to do all of them. What he's saying to us there is he's saying, don't be just a hearer of my word, do it. Do my word. Don't look for excuses. Don't look for loopholes. Don't find ways to get out of it. Be a keeper of my word. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Are you going to go cross grain to the direction everybody else is going? Yeah. But keep my word. Because what he says there is he says, when you keep my word, what that means is that you will be set apart. Where we're going, we need to be set apart. I don't want to go the way of the masses. I want to go the way of Jesus. We need to be set apart. Keep my word. Then he tells him the promise, because remember, it's a promise sandwich. So what he tells him is if you keep my word, you're going to prosper wherever you go. That's a pretty good promise. The next thing he says to him in verse 8 is he says to meditate on my word day and night. Do not let the words of my book depart from your mouth. Actually, when you look at that in the Hebrew, when the Hebrew were meditating on something, it wasn't that they were sitting, um, you know, or we let meditation go to our culture and turn it into something bad. Actually, God is the one who originated meditation. And what it actually means is to meditate on his word in the Hebrew culture. What that was is that they were constantly speaking it. They were continually over and over and over speaking God's word out loud. And it was almost like a mummer. They were just like mummering his word all the time. They were repeating the promises of God to encourage themselves and to put that out. We sing a song that's called prophesy the promise. When you are in pressure. When pressure is heavy, whether it's in a moment or whether it's building, and sometimes when you're not even aware that it's building, it's vitally important to your spirit, soul, and body to meditate on the word of God and to speak that word out loud so that your ears hear it, your mind hears it, your soul hears it, your body hears it, you're speaking the promise of God. Stop speaking the problem, stop complaining and start speaking the promise. You're going to get stuck if you're complaining and using what God gave you to prophesy the promise and be negative and complaining all the time. I can only handle that for so long. I don't want to be around people who are just talking, rehearsing the problem over. I know the problem. Let's prophesy the promise. Let's put the promise out there. The result of that, the sandwich. So when he tells us to speak the word, what he promises as a result of that is that you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. Twice. He tells them, if you do this, everything you do will prosper. And then he says, if you do this, you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Who don't want that? Right? Right. That sounds like a good promise to me. Then he tells them one more time that wherever you go, I'll be with you. You will not stand alone. Courage is fueled by the promise. Our why is the promise from God. And your personal why starts with the promise And it goes from there. Your why may be that you're fighting for your family. Your why may be that you're fighting for joy because the pressure of depression is after you. Your why may be that an addiction is the first thing that you think of every morning when you wake up and it is the last thing that you participate in when you go to bed at night. Where's your promise? That's your, why your, why may be your conviction is so deep and there is pressure coming from other sides, but you have to know your promise. If you're going to stand in the midst of pressure, just because so-and-so said so, and this person said that, and this person said that, that is not going to be good enough anymore. You have to know the promise for yourself. That means you're going to have to do what God said and keep his word, which if you don't know the word, you better get in it. I cannot emphasize to you how important it is to be in your word. That be in your word. That's good church talk for read your Bible. That's what that means. If you would go ahead and come on up. So as we close out, I wanna declare to you this morning that we stand on the edge of promise. And as you are standing on the edge of promise, the pressure is real. The pressure that you're feeling is not just in your mind. The pressure that you're feeling isn't just, I love my daughter said, you need to drink more water. It's real, it's, it's more than what hydration is gonna handle, okay? Water is good, but <laughs> it's real. And the thought to quit doesn't make you weak. The thought to quit doesn't make you a bad person and the thought of quitting doesn't mean that God's disappointed in you. It simply means that the pressure is real. And what God is saying to you is when the pressure is real, remember that I'm with you. Remember I'm there to give you strength and the courage fueled by the why puts your strength into action. And that's what we need right now, where we're going. And what God has waiting for you is greater than anything that you've imagined, but you can't quit because you're right on the edge. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you if you would just settle in where you're at right now and really come in right here with you and God. I don't want you to think about anybody else in the room. I just want you to focus on you and God right now. Are you experiencing Pressure somewhere in your life. And here's the thing if you are pressing for a promise of God, you're experiencing pressure. Because everything is trying to fight you off of that, everything is trying to get you to back down. But what you're fighting for is worth the fight. The promise that you can see and that you've heard about is worth the battle. Don't quit if you're scared do it scared and right now if you have need of courage tell God that you're sitting with him right now just tell him God I need courage I need you to strengthen me I need your strength God to stand where I'm standing right now and to go through what I see ahead of me God give me courage to put your strength into motion So I speak to this and I say, if your pressure in your life is ongoing, it's a day in and day out, and it's something that you've just become accustomed to and made room for, you need courage. And maybe in the past few days, few weeks, you have come into a situation where suddenly and in a moment pressure came and you have need of courage. Right now where you sit father in the name of Jesus I declare an impartation to every one of these people a reminder of the why a reminder of your promise a reminder of what we're fighting for a reminder of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us that every drop of his blood Every moment of his torment is worth the fight that we're in. Freedom belongs to you. Life belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Wisdom belongs to you. Help belongs to you. Encouragement belongs to you. Strength belongs to you. You have the promise of God, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit belongs to you, and you belong to the Holy Spirit. So if you are needing strength right now, I encourage you to put your hand right here on your gut. This is where I always feel the Holy Spirit stirring. And I tell Darren, it feels like little white butterflies in my tummy. I don't know why as Lynette land, that's just the way it is for you. It may feel different, but whatever that is, father, I need courage. Holy spirit. The Bible says you stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. So the Holy spirit, the promise is on the inside of you. Put your hand right here on your belly and say, Holy spirit. I stir you up on the inside of me. Speak it so that you can hear yourself say that. Holy Spirit, stir on the inside of me. Stir up strength stir up faithfulness stir up wisdom in me Holy Spirit stir up your power on the inside of me Holy Spirit stir up what I need to make it through this day Holy Spirit stir up what I need to stand in this pressure Holy Spirit Holy Spirit may courage abound on the inside of me to overflow to come out of me to affect the world that I am in to affect everyone around me to affect my entire realm of influence Holy Spirit flow courage through me to overflowing in Jesus name